I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Tuesday, November 29th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Okay, so Jay, for the fact of the day, it's expected that Apple will lose 6 million iPhone Pros from its production output this year due to the continued turbulence and protests occurring at its key manufacturing hub in Zhengzhou. Now, Jay, I guess my question to you is, were you hoping to get, finally, get an iPhone and replace that Android this holiday season? I was not, but my wife got her new iPhone this past weekend, so that shortage isn't happening yet. She got it, she didn't have a problem, so I guess we'll start to see the crunch on that soon. Yeah, it's interesting. I I don't really know how that plays out. Like, where are those iPhones supposed to go? It doesn't feel like there's a shortage. You can still get an iPhone. And and so when does that hit? Like, when in the future supply chain will we start to see these types of shortages? I, I have no idea, but it does seem like a lot. And it doesn't sound like great news for Apple. And the one neat thing about Apple, or the one interesting fact about Apple, is that they are really dependent on China. They make 90% of the Mac and iPhone components in China, and they do most of the assembly there as well. And so if things turn south in China, it really is bad news for Apple, and this number really demonstrates that. Absolutely. Brett, aside from the non-iPhone I'm going to get this December, what do you have for Peak Bells today? Yeah, I wonder how it's going to impact watches, what I want. For our first story, people are looking, going back to the movies. For our second story, Mexicans are moving back to Canada. And for our last story, workers are going back into the office. For our first story, it's been an up and down year for streamers as they struggle to diversify revenue streams. Now a radical, unprecedented idea has come to the fore, Brett. It's like people will go to one place to sit with other people and actually watch something on a screen and order popcorn. That feels like we're going full circle, but what is going on? Yeah, I haven't I, I haven't done that in a while, but it sounds nice as you describe it. Now, Netflix's Glass Onion, which is a Knives Out mystery, it's a sequel to Knives Out, a great film. It made $9.2 million last weekend, despite playing in less than 700 cinemas across Canada and the US, making it the best performing film of the weekend on a per screen basis. The film's streaming premiere is this week, for those who didn't see James Bond do an exaggerated Southern accent on the big screen. Now, one analyst told Bloomberg that the film's success shows this was actually a missed opportunity for Netflix, suggesting that the streamer should have instead done more marketing around the film and expanded its run to more screens in more weeks. Meanwhile, chief rival Amazon recently announced its plan to spend over a billion dollars annually on movies that will get full theatrical runs before making their way to Prime Video. Amazon is all in on theaters and wants to pump between 12 and 15 movies to theaters annually, giving it as many yearly theatrical releases as most major studios. But Netflix remains wary of the same approach, Brett. Co-CEO Ted Sarandos recently balked at theatrical runs, citing marketing costs and the potential to drag down subscription values. And Jay, here's why it matters. Streamers were supposed to change how we watch things. Now, their movies are going to theaters, they have commercials, and you have to pay out the wazoo for multiple channels to watch all your favorite content. That sounds pretty traditional to me. Yeah, it used to be called cable and going to the movies. For our second story, in the face of rising crime rates in Mexico, more Mexicans are looking to pack their bags and head north of the border, and even north of that border, all the way to here, Jane. Here's what's driving the news, Brad. Over 8,000 Mexicans have sought refugee status in Canada this year, a number five times more than last year, and more than twice as many as in 2019. And this is happening because our neighbors to the south, Mexico, they're dealing with rising rate of violent crime, and endangered groups are looking for a way out. In the past, they typically would have sought asylum in the U.S., 
But a pandemic rule suspending asylum rights on the grounds of preventing COVID infections has been used disproportionately against those asylum seekers. Canada is not considered safer than the U.S., but it is easier to get into. Mexicans don't require a visa and can seek a work permit immediately after applying for asylum status. Yes, but of the asylum cases finalized through the first nine months of 2022, only about 38% of them were accepted. The remaining claims were rejected, withdrawn, or abandoned. And the bottom line is that the odds that asylum seekers will attain refugee status are getting slimmer by the day. Canada's bold new immigration plan, which aims to welcome 1.3 million newcomers by 2025, accounts for a gradual reduction of refugee admissions in that same time frame. For our third story, workers may want to stay remote, but employers want them back and the office and more job postings insist on just that, making fully remote and those sought after gigs harder to come by. Now to get you caught up, major corporations leading the return to work charge include Disney, Twitter, and many of Canada's largest banks and corporate law firms. In what's been called the great mismatch, the demand for remote jobs is near all-time highs while companies roll back pandemic-era work-from-home policies. And as of last month, 50% of job applications on LinkedIn were for remote positions, which now make up only 15% of job listings, according to a report by the company. The gap between the demand for in-person jobs and workers willing to actually work those jobs is four times as high as it is for remote work, this according to the Washington Post. And it matters because according to Bloomberg, the labor market is still tight and employees continue to hold leverage in negotiations. But LinkedIn chief economist Karen Kimbrough said in a report that, quote unquote, this power balance is likely starting to level out in the coming months. 30% of Canadians work remotely last year compared to 4% in 2016. So it may be wishful thinking on managers' part to think they can get everyone back to their desks. And Jay, let's zoom out to end this episode. As aggressive interest rate hikes from the Bank of Canada continue to slow the economy, Canada's record low employment rates are expected to tick up. This scenario may leave job seekers with a touch more flexibility around increasingly inflexible work policies. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, it's hard not to recognize from my vantage point you're actually in the office today. Yeah, I am in the office today. I don't know. What Very that on says trend. About. It's not, you know, I will say if you're ever looking to work at the peak, it's not required. It's optional. And the office is nice and there's coffee. So just to put in some plugs for that. You have to pay a buck for the coffee. But yeah, thanks, Jay. Brett, have a good day.